Welcome to Building a Better Bond, a Fiber Bond podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Building a Better Bond with Fiber Bond. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. On our last episode, we explored custom shelter design trends for data centers, as well as how prefab has elevated this market and brought new expectations to unit designers. And today we're continuing that same conversation, but for a different market. We're going to be breaking down the growth of genset solutions and why emergency and backup generators are evolving, as well as how enclosure designs are evolving alongside them. Here to give some analysis is Brett Dean, Business Unit Director for Fiberbond. Brett, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Pleasure to have you on the podcast. Looking forward to breaking this down. So let's just jump right into it. I know you've been in the emergency generator business for around 12 years now. Uh, You've been working on the design and manufacturing of custom shelters. During that decade-long career here in this industry, have you seen things change dramatically around the design, the construction, the manufacturing, or just the, the mindset behind these custom generator shelters? Yeah, it certainly has changed quite a bit in, I would say, the last five to seven years in pretty much all those topics that you touched upon. I mean, everything from um, the number of units that a customer may want at one time to um, you know the fuel capacity or the sound ratings that they're requiring and just the, and most importantly, kind of the, the level of uh, quality that they're demanding out of their units as well is, is just changed so much in the last seven to eight years. And, and a lot of that is just because of the uh, demand of the data center industry. Now, see, that's interesting that the the market for gensets has evolved alongside data centers. Was that something that was predicted or did that kind of come out of left field for the industry and throw everyone for a loop? Um, I would say it, it came out of left field just in terms of the amount of units that their demand was. Um, data centers were there, you know, dating back to the 90s or the early 2000s for your typical like co-location providers. But um, these these large um, cloud service providers are the ones that I don't think the market really could forecast uh, what their demand was going to be. And, it, and it's been interesting in the last uh, several years how, um, you know, how our market has been able to respond or had to adjust quickly to those demands. So in general, I know we've seen generator sets change in a few specific ways. We've seen them increase in literal size. Uh, fuel tank capacities have increased. We've also seen unit quantity demands increase. There's also been a push for lower sound ratings on these generator sets um, because people just don't want big, loud generators uh, you know, getting in the way of their work or just being a nuisance. Why do you think these specific trends are driving inter- innovation around gensets today? Both the, the increase in size, fuel tank changes, um, lower sound ratings. Why is that really pushing gensets forward? Well, you know, even though you know, the generator itself may be increasing in its kilowatt output, or um, you know they may want more fuel or a lower sound rating. It, it seems like despite those uh, desires from the end user, they may still have a physical footprint restriction. So you do have to be innovative in the way of of how are you arranging items within your enclosure. Um, and, and 
In addition to that, you need to be concerned about, can you physically uh, move these units? Um, not every packager has the, the assets available in their plant uh, to move some units of these size. So uh, you need to be partnered with the manufacturer that, that can handle the, the physical dimensions and weight of these, of these units. Yeah. Well, something I didn't really bring up, but the whole concept of gensets is that they are portable, right? Yeah, so the ones that we're working with are actually stationary generators. I mean, you you could, yeah, you could physically move them if you wanted to, but um, nine times out of ten on these types of applications, it's it's stationary genset. So of those four main changes I mentioned, which do you think has the biggest impact today on how people are um, looking to design their uh, genset enclosures or, you know, really just motivating their decision making behind implementing a new genset or, you know, readjusting the enclosure that already exists? Would you say it's it's that the size of these gensets are increasing? Uh, would you say it's... Uh, you know, fuel tank capacities are increasing? Would you say it's that people are wanting them to be less of a nuisance in their literal sound level? Um, unit quantity demands, I guess, what what are you seeing as the biggest motivator? Yeah, I think, I think to be honest, I think, in ter- especially in terms of the data centers, I think it's the, the, the physical quantity of units that they want is, is so much, and they want them delivered at a pace that is very demanding. But then their uh, demand for a high quality uh, unit is also high. So you need to have a manufacturing facility that, that one can handle the, the output, you know, be it two weeks or three, I'm sorry, two units a week or three units a week. Um, but then you also need to have the design processes in place and quality control processes in place uh, so that you can guarantee that if you're building a 20-unit a project or a 40-unit project, are all 20 units going to be identical? And if you don't have those design processes in place or QC processes, um, you may find that you're in a situation where you're you're not having a repetitive unit manufactured. So you've been mentioning this link to the data center market. Um, it really seems like it's intrinsically tied to the growth of gensets and specifically backup generators. Could you dig in a little deeper into the connection between these two markets um, and why data centers are in need of not only a reliable generator, but also backup generators? And I guess really, really break down the scope of how these two markets are interacting. Yeah, so the data centers, they're um, entirely concerned about having a continuous, reliable source of power. Now, their, their main power is, of course, the, your standard traditional utility feed, uh, but their contracts with their customers are directly tied to their uptime in a, a period of, of time, you know, be it a six-month period or a year period, where they'll actually have penalties applied to them if they aren't providing a certain percentage of uptime. So then they're putting a tremendous amount of capital into guaranteeing that they have a secondary source of power available to them at all times, and that it's a reliable source of power. So that's where these diesel generators come into play. So they are providing a a completely redundant power system in the source of diesel generators. And then FiberVond, we're providing uh, the shelter, the fuel tank base, and any integration that's required on that generator to make it 
uh, as reliable as they desire. Yeah, because basically you can't have your data centers go down. <laughs> it's basically not an option in today's day and age. Right. There's millions of dollars at stake from the data center's eyes if they go down for a matter of minutes. So how is this relationship and these general changes to generator sets affecting the design of the genset enclosures? You know, what has had to physically adjust to meet this demand for higher output, larger size, and less noise? Uh, I would say that there's just more accessories inside the genset enclosure itself that are tied into the redundancy features or uh, monitoring of equipment. So for example, in, in the fuel tank, you may have an accessory that is, it's called a fuel polishing system, and it's solely dedicated to making sure the diesel fuel remains clean. In your traditional genset enclosure 15, 20 years ago, you may not have that kind of equipment. They may just let that sit and periodically cycle that fuel. But for these data centers, they're so concerned about uh, the reliability that they're going down to and focusing on the quality of fuel that they have. So they're willing to pay an upgraded uh, accessory to ensure that that specific generator has clean fuel at all times. Um, and we see that as well, just in terms of the monitoring that they have, where uh, you may have uh, standard options that the generator may come from the factory in terms of uh, alarms. Uh, these data centers are taking that up a notch and, and you know, monitoring many more points of, of failure than you would in a traditional genset. So, yeah, let's dig in just a little deeper into that, too. What are the typical bells and whistles that you're seeing today's modern uh, genset enclosures needing to meet this, uh, this increased demand and um, this growth in the data center market? Yeah, it, it's uh, it's typically alarms tied into it's uh, the engine starting system or the engine fuel system. Uh, they'll monitor the radiator that is cooling that engine. Um, they'll even monitor interior temperature of the enclosures itself. Um, they'll even monitor uh, the intake dampers. So just to make sure that the enclosure is uh, providing uh, air to the generator as well. Um, it, it's absolutely incredible the amount of, of monitoring points they have in, in today's modern genset uh, compared to years ago. Are those monitoring points pretty standardized at this point um, to where, you know, if you know you're working on a data center genset enclosure, you know, okay, we're going to need to implement X alarm, X monitor, uh, you know, X fuel gauge, whatever. Um, or is it something where you sit down client to client and you have to make very specific changes based on what their output needs are or just what industry they're serving? Yeah, I would say it's the latter. It, at this point in time in the industry, it, it feels like each end user kind of has their favorite design and they're each designing that unit uh, to their specific um you know, fingerprint uh, of an enclosure that they would prefer. And we're working with them because there's a fine line of uh, how custom of a, of a package do you want and then being able to massively produce those enclosures. So we're working with those end users and the contractors and the engineering design firm to say, yes, there's a level of, of uptime and redundancy that you want to have, 
but we need to make sure that this unit is repeatable across perhaps multiple sites around the United States so that we can provide that capacity output that, that you're requesting. So in general, what would you say are the biggest challenges that come with meeting these new design requirements for larger and more integrated and, uh, you know, I guess smarter, more intelligent gen sets and uh, generator enclosures? I would say it's the level of attention that's required in the early stages of the project is is where uh, I've seen the biggest change. Uh, gone are the days where you can just uh, take a couple hours and sketch out a gen set enclosure and, and provide a design and, and price it. Um, for this level of detail and, and redundancy that they're requiring and just the complexity of the units, the best case scenarios are if you can sit down with that uh, with your genset OEM or your engineering firm or end user and work as a team to come up with a design uh, that fits everyone's needs. Well, I guess in in, in, in general, these, you know, I guess in, in the past, these relationships looked like you would have a client reach out to you for this enclosure. Um, a designer would, um, like you said, sketch it out. Um, a business development professional would price it and then give it back to the client. They would say, yep, we like that, and then you would build it. But now there needs to be more concrete conversations around what are the specific requirements you need for this gen set. Uh, you know, what industry are you serving? What kind of support do you need? What kind of monitoring do you need? Uh, how is this going to impact the people around you physically, you know, like the, the noise level of this gen set. Um, is that sort of change in how you professionally approach uh, these relationships with your clients changing the professional development of your industry or your company, you know, if we want to get even smaller? Um, you know, are you seeing skill sets have to change from either the designers or the account representatives? Or are you having to hire new people to fill new roles to meet these more um, detailed conversational requirements you need to now have with clients? Yeah, I definitely think that's true. I mean, on uh, if anything, in the latest uh, development of this market, uh, those of uh, the team members that are involved with the early stages of a project need to have that technical background on the front end. And really that's where, where Fiberbond is, is, is focused on that and that our technical sales team has that experience and that background in, gener in power generation. But we're also involving our designers uh, in the project on the early phase as well. And that way, all of these design questions uh, can be figured out on the front end. And we're providing a drawing set that is nearly production ready uh, at times even before a purchase order is awarded. And what that does is it allows everyone to make sure that that scope, that that design is is 99% correct uh, before we ever move into an actual uh, you know purchase order or into a, a production standpoint. Interesting. So basically more people in the process are getting to use their voice during those client conversations. That must... Uh... You know, that must encourage, I guess, more professionals within your company, within the industry to, I guess, approach these projects more creatively and to feel like they have that uh, creative voice and um, that responsibility over these projects. That's that's probably pretty encouraging for them and must be a, a morale booster, uh, you know, as a professional getting to feel so involved in all the projects now. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it also just it improves the success rate of that project uh, and the throughput of the project um, once it's in that design review. Because if you've already had the engineering team on, on both sides of the table vet out that design, um, you know, after you're into a submittal phase, it may be just, you know, crossing T's and dotting I's kind of situation uh, versus you know, years ago, it may be sitting in a, a review process for several months on end. Well, th these data centers don't have that luxury built into their schedule. So we're trying to, to be innovative in the way that we can speed up that, that schedule for them. All right, Brett, to kind of wrap up the conversation, I want to bring up um, a separate point, And this is something we explored in our last podcast with Hector Moreno. Uh, we talked about the prefabricated construction trend on uh, data center design and data center enclosure design. Um, it's, it's pretty incredible to see how prefabricated construction has really started to make that whole process more efficient, um, more standardized, and is saving time and money for the clients and for the companies providing these enclosures. Are you seeing the same prefab trend affect this market, the genset enclosure market, as much as it has the data center enclosure market, or um, are they operating differently? Are they seeing different trends? Yes, I am seeing that trend, and, and oddly enough, that that trend towards prefabricated uh, shelters in the genset market actually came on uh, way before we saw it in the data center market. Um, so, oh, cool. really. So you you guys are the trendsetters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess in a way. So it, the the trend for genset enclosures and fuel tanks being prefabricated and pre-integrated before it shows up on the jobs uh, on the job site, that's been around for thirty years, and and that's in my opinion, I think that's something that uh, the data center market probably picked up on and, and realized. Well, there's a scope of work uh, from a generator perspective where. We're receiving it on job on the job site. We plug and play, verify it works, and then that that generator is ready to provide backup power. So why not do that for the other facets of the data center, be it the electrical switch gear or the data space itself? Yeah, well, it's definitely an exciting trend. Um, if anything, just for the time saved for uh, these professionals and for the companies like Fiberbond that are providing these uh, enclosures. When you're saving time on each project, that naturally opens more time for more projects, and that means more revenue, and that means everyone's happy. So, um, yeah, and, and any of these kinds of efficient trends or innovations in really any aspect of construction and beyond, you know, if we're just talking efficient changes to industry, they're definitely always my favorite because they might be small, but they have those ripple effects. So it's cool to see... These ripple effects affect the genset enclosure market, and uh, you know it definitely sounds like these big tech companies that are looking to build more data centers are going to need more generators, and it doesn't seem like that industry is slowing down anytime soon. So uh, there's definitely a lot that still potentially could change. Um, so we'll have to bring you back on to break that down here in the future, but Brett, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and giving us your, your perspective on the emergency generator business and how the shelters that, you know, encompass those generators are changing and adapting along with the markets that they serve. So thank you again for joining us on the podcast. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Daniel. 
And thank you everyone for listening to today's episode of Building a Better Bond. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, you can head to fiberbond.com slash podcasts. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.